You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. Welcome back to Real Presence Live. We are here at St. Anne's Catholic Church in Bismarck, North Dakota. I'm Karen Swanski along with Father Craig Hochalter, parochial vicar at St. Anne's, and we're just having a really good show here, aren't we? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a good way to start off the year. Yeah, and you know, we just spoke with Gerald Vetter from um, the Light of Christ Catholic Schools here in Bismarck. St. Mary's Carnival is coming up in February, wonderful time. Hopefully, everybody will be able to attend, help volunteer as well. It's always fun, so... Um, yes, so we have our next guest here. We do, yes, um, and and one that I uh, would like to introduce in some ways, Karen, is uh, close, very close generationally, and this is where we're going to get started with him, of uh, of a potential saint mm-hmm. uh, of the Catholic Church, <coughs> and that's something that we don't always get on this show. You know, we we're very we can be very low level, but we feel that speaking with Makah who is our next guest um, this morning. He's given us his time, and he can speak a little bit about uh, who he knows uh, that came before him, and, and we're excited to get to that point. So, Makah, uh, welcome and good morning to Real Presence Radio. Uh, good morning to both of you, and thank you for having me on. Uh, it's, it's rare that I get introduced as a descendant of a saint, so I uh, <laughs> appreciate that, and I'm with but please share with us who who we're speaking about and 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 who you are, Makah, and where you live and what you do. And uh, we're just eager to know more about you and, of course, your um, your great great grandfather. Yes. Um, so uh, you're referring to uh, uh, currently servant of God Nicholas Blackfell, um, who is my great 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 grandfather, um, and he is. Uh, as I said, presently a servant of God is in the process of, of, of achieving sainthood. We hope and pray um, and ask for his intercession, as always. Um, and uh, my, my name is Macaw Black Elk, um, and I currently work at Red Cloud Indian School, which is a Catholic uh, Jesuit school uh, on the Pine Ridge Indian Reservation in South Dakota, where I currently serve as the director for our Truth and Healing Initiative. And how long, Makah, have you been with the school system? Good for you. You're in education. God bless you and, and your efforts in Catholic education. Thank you. Yes, I've, well, I've been uh, at Red Cloud now for uh, a good nine years. Uh, oh, wow. And I'm also an alum. Okay, fantastic. When did you graduate? Uh, back in 2005. And what brought you back into, did you start out as a classroom teacher? It sounds like you're now in, kind of at an administrative level. Uh, were you a classroom teacher at one time, or did you dive right into administration? Oh, yeah. I, I started off when I came back nine years ago as a classroom teacher. I taught uh, history in our history department to our high school students and, uh, and, some, and various other sort of elective courses and was a teacher for a good five years before hopping into administration. Um, uh I went on to, during that time, during my time at Red Cloud, to the University of Notre Dame to get my master's degree in uh, Catholic school leadership. So, uh, love Catholic education and and am glad to be a part of this community and, and my school. What did, was it part of the ACE program? Is that is that part of your curriculum there at Notre Dame? Uh, their master's degree, they, it's called the Remick Leadership Program. 
Good for you. God bless you. Yes. And, and to serve the church in that way, Makah. What was it that brought you back? Was it, you know, being an, an alumnus, did you always have a heart for Catholic education and wanting to serve the church in that way? Uh, can, what is it? Can I identify for our listeners? It's, it can always be a story of inspiration mm-hmm. uh, to bring you back yeah. to teach and to lead. Yeah, I, I always appreciated my my high school years at, at Red Cloud, um, formerly known as Holy Rosary. Uh, I uh, went to school there um, in the you know mid aughts, early aughts, and uh, you know really found my spirituality there and, and was empowered in that. Um, I loved my Jesuit education in particular, and uh, you know when I left Red Cloud, I knew I wanted to continue uh, in Catholic education. So that was what where my, I went. I went to the University of San Francisco for my undergrad, um, also a Jesuit university, um, and just you know it was a it was a boon for my faith and a boon for my whole uh, experience of learning. Um, and I knew I wanted to come back to my community at someday and, and also be a part of that. Maka, what, um, can, can you just a brief history of the school, when it was started? Was it always Jesuit-led? And, um, and offer to our listeners a, a little classroom in terms of Red Cloud. Yeah, so that has a lot to do with the job I currently um, hold. Red Cloud was founded as Holy Rosary Mission uh, by the Jesuits uh, back in 1888. Um, so we're um, older, older school, um, and we were founded initially as one of, of certainly many, uh, hundreds, in fact, of schools across the United States that were Indian boarding schools, so specifically institutions that were serving Native American communities um, and through a boarding school system. Um, so that ended formally in 1980 with the last time we were a boarding school, but uh, many boarding schools across the nation, you know, shut down or, or closed. Um, we continued as a day school and have been in existence, you know, since HD till today. Uh, and have, a, you know, a reputation in the community that's very um, powerful, but also mixed. Um, we are a school that produces a lot of graduates who go on to college. I'm, you know, an example of that. Um, and this is, of course, on an Indian reservation where that's fairly rare. Um, but we also have this history of being a boarding school, which was ch- a challenging and conflicting history, one that is a negative for a lot of people. My job today in as role of uh, in Director of Truth and Healing is to help our community address that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, what, a, what a beautiful vocation to serve, Maka, and our prayers are with you. Um, such a critical uh, part of the church, uh, you know, and you speak so fondly of it. Uh, uh, no, too, of the Real Presence's prayers just in supporting what you do in your mission. How many graduates uh, do you graduate a year from from uh, your school, Maka? Depends on the size of the class, but roughly between, um, you know, 45 to, to 65 in that. We're, we're a smaller school, of course. Um, you know, unlike a lot of uh, private education um, in other places, we, we can't charge uh, a large tuition mm-hmm. uh, because we live in a community that can't really afford large tuition. Um, and so we have to fundraise to, in order to, to exist. And so through the blessing of, of donors from across the nation um, and really actually internationally as well, um, you know, that's how we're able to, to staff and, and serve our community. 
So you lead a wonderful program at um, the school there. With It's relating to Truth and Healing, is that correct? Correct, yes, the Truth and Healing Initiative. Can you just explain a little bit about what that is about? Yeah, so, I mean, pro- probably people have heard of truth and reconciliation um, processes that have happened elsewhere, the most famous of which was, of course, in uh, you know post-apartheid South Africa, most recently, uh, Canada had a truth and reconciliation with their First Nations communities uh, that formally ended in 2015 about their residential school history, much similar to our history in the United States uh, with, with boarding schools. Um, truth and reconciliation processes are about, you know, confronting difficult history, confronting history that was typically harmful um, to certain communities or, or groups of people and trying to find ways to sort of overcome, reconcile, and ultimately heal. Um, so my job at, our, our, at Red Cloud is to help our institution, help the Jesuit community, help the alumni who were, uh, who were boarders themselves, and the whole community in general, enter a process that tries to engage in, in a truth and reconciliation effort. Maka, can you tell us a little bit, um, this is a fascinating interview, by the way. Thank you so much for being on. Uh, this is, it's gripping in some ways. So as, as a descendant of, uh, you know, being in the same family as uh, Nicholas Black Elk and carrying that name, uh, your, your Catholic identity and your faith must be, you know, uh, on a certain overload just in terms of not only the emotional excitement, but also just kind of the awe, right? The wonder of of your great-great-great-grandfather uh, could potentially be canonized by the Catholic Church. Have you, is that something that you bring into your school? Is it something that, you know, tell us about that. Are you, do you have a lot of interviews like this? Has it, it must have deepened your own Catholic faith and your sacramental living? Absolutely. Um, you know, with, with the process happening around Blackout, which I wasn't necessarily initially a part of, that that happened um, through other community members um, in our in our Catholic community more widely on, on the reservation, who some of whom knew Blackout personally, right? I I, I didn't. I, I was, you know, um, I was uh, not born and <laughs> wouldn't be born for quite some time um, when he passed away. Uh, but I grew up hearing stories about him, um, hearing about his life uh, and the ways in which he lived uh, in a world that was changing uh, for certain. You know, he grew up in a very tumultuous time. Uh, sometimes I always think of him as sort of being a little bit like Forrest Gump. He was a young boy at the Battle of Little Bighorn. He was there at Wounded Knee. He, was, he traveled Europe with Buffalo Bill's Wild West show before he ultimately became a catechist for the Catholic Church. And... Um, he lived this incredible life, and he's certainly an uh, inspiration for me in terms of how I understand being Lakota and Catholic. That's fascinating. We, uh, I, I want to get back to your roots there, uh, Maka, and how that's influenced your work, your mission at, at Red Cloud. We're going to go to a short break uh, so our listeners can take a breather and, and grab a, a drink of their coffee. Uh, but Maka, you and all of our listeners, please uh, stay put, and we'll be back with Makah uh, Black Elk, a great, great, great grandson of Nicholas Black Elk. We'll be right back. 
This is Real Presence Live, where the focus is not on the evil around us, but on conversion and mercy through the good news that is always good. We're local, engaging, and live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Daily Meditations of Pope Benedict XVI, presented by Leonardo Di Filippis of St. Luke Productions. The Connection Between Faith and Heart In reality, for the believing Christian, the words, I believe, articulate a kind of certainty that is in many respects a higher degree of certainty than that of science, yet one that does indeed carry within it the dynamic of the not yet. We live faith not as a hypothesis, but as the certainty on which our life is based. Belief is certainty that God has shown himself and has opened up for us the view of truth itself. In the act of believing, the ascent comes about in a different way from the way it does in the act of knowing. Not through the degree of evidence bringing the process of thought to its conclusion, but by an act of will in connection with which the thought process remains open and still underway. Here the will commands assent, even though the thought process is still underway. Any perception presupposes a certain sympathy with what is perceived. Without a certain inner closeness, a kind of love, we cannot perceive the other thing or person. In this sense, the will always somehow precedes the perception and is its precondition. We are able to give the assent of faith because the will, the heart, has been touched by God, affected by Him. Through being touched in this way, the will knows that even what is still not clear to the reason is true. This meditation is taken from Benedictus, published by Ignatius Press and Magnificat, and produced by St. Luke Productions. Learn more at stlukeproductions.com. You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. Good morning. Welcome back. Real Presence Radio. We are speaking with Macaw Black Elk, descendant, close descendant of Nicholas Black Elk, who is currently a servant of God of the Catholic Church and is in the process of canonization. Uh, Macaw works f- uh, for Red Cloud School in the Pie Ridge Indian Reservation in South Dakota. He is the executive director for Truth and Healing and uh, in a short time uh, has an extensive education uh, resume and list. Uh, Macaw, you are in the thick of things serving the church um, you know, back to where you grew up and recognizing how much the school gave to you and you want to give that back. And now being a part of this uh, really wonderful and historical event of, of what could be a, a saint at the end of it all, of, of your of of your great-great-great-grandfather, Nicholas Black Elk. Makah, there's an opportunity for people to learn more. A conference you're a part of, and you're, um, I'm assuming you're, you're um, essentially leading it or directing it or a significant a part of it. Talk to us about this. Yes, so uh, on January 28th um, at the Terra Sancta Retreat Center in Rapid City, South Dakota, uh, my initiative at Red Cloud along with the Diocese of Rapid City uh, are putting together this workshop 
um, called the Truth and Racial Healing Conference, the Historical and Theological Perspectives perspectives on Indigenous Communities and Catholicism. And this workshop is really meant to help all Catholics, whether they are uh, non-Indigenous Catholics or Indigenous Catholics in the community, um, of which, you know, this is a big part of our Rapid City Diocese, uh, to really get into some important conversation and deep dialogue about that relationship, the history of the relationship between the Catholic Church and Indigenous peoples, one that has not always been uh, a positive or, or fruitful relationship, um, and that at other times has been a deeply positive and fruitful relationship, my great-great-great-grandfather being an example of that. Um, but there's also turmoil, and we have to talk about that uh, understand that, uh, heal from that, uh, and, and find ways to, to move forward and be together um, as we uh, understand that history of colonization and the Church's role in that. Uh, so that's what the conference is all about, and, and we're hopeful that people can come. And the free conference uh, on a Saturday um, with Mass and, and dinner, and we're hopeful that people can, can learn and take time to uh, think about important issue for Native peoples in the Catholic Church. Makai, can you give us that date again of the the, the workshop? Yeah, Saturday, January 28th. January 28th. January 28th at the Terra Sancta Retreat Center in Rapid City. Uh, yeah. There'll be a workshop uh, bringing both historical and theological perspectives. I think that's so helpful. And you're opening it up to all all peoples, which is even more important because that's <laughs> that's that's at the middle of colonization and the separation, and and of course that's who you know is in really needs touched by this healing or the intention of healing. Uh, Macau, what what excites you about your work, it, it, especially with this workshop in mind? And I'm assuming other events will follow. You it sounds like you have a real passion for this. Um, you know, share with us some of your excitements. What do you hope? to happen in this in this single day event? Well, I think it's really incredibly important for our faith to talk about this issue and engage in, in the conversation about this history because, you know, for Canada and for especially recently, a lot of Catholics, you know, were watched Pope Francis as he made his apostolic journey of, of, of apology in Canada to come and meet with the First Nations people of Canada and, and give that formal apology uh, to them uh, for the role that the Church played in Canada in particular uh, in in Catholic boarding schools or, or residential schools, as they refer to it. And that, that apology and that conversation certainly extends to us as well in the United States. It's so important that we talk about that as Catholics, as, as both Native peoples and non-Native peoples, um, because I think when people first hear about this history and they first sort of enter this conversation, there's usually two responses. The first response is usually one of sort of maybe despair or sort of a, a shaking of faith, right? Oh, another failure of the church, right? Um, and that, that can be really defeating for some people. And then for others, there's a defensiveness, right? A, a desire to sort of defend the church uh, in a way that might be... Um, you know, not open to some of the challenges and the need for healing. Um, so this conference is, is meant to really help us understand that not only can we look at our faith and through our faith to find healing, um, but that it's, in fact, better for our Church if we do. And, and I hope that's what people take away from this opportunity. 
Thank you for that, Makai. Have you always, um, you know, that there's something to the, I mean, there's something really evangelical about, you know, your intentions and your efforts, and, and it sounds like you're grounded in this to know that in the gospel, our Lord over and over again brought healing, right, on, on two levels, spiritual and, and, and physical, and any physical healing, right, the saints, the saints offer us this, the, when they read scripture, the physical healings were only a means to the end of a spiritual healing, uh, which also has kind of an emotional effect. So I'm really glad that you, you know, it's interesting how you kind of, you, you have these kind of two, um, these two sides of the coin, right? You have these people that are like, oh, another failure of the church, but then you have this defensiveness and, and to reconcile that and see where the virtue lies, right? To see where the grace lies. It seems like you're kind of a, a captain of that. You're trying to go after this grace. Um, have you, were you, you, you must have always been due to the education you received your family. Makai, you've always been Catholic and you've always been, um, you know, deep in your Catholic faith. It, it, te- it ke- takes a man or a woman with, you know, a, a strong and, and courageous faith to do what you're doing. Well, well, thank you. Of course, you know, I think we always all have individual challenges in our faith journeys, but my journey certainly was one that uh, found deep, uh, a a really deep connection to my Catholic life and and really the people in my life. I mean, the people in my life who who were good to me, who were um, with me, who were testament to, uh, I think, you know, walking a, a path that was as close as possible to that of our of our Lord, were were Catholics in my life, and um, I had that experience at my school and in my family. Um, so that certainly uh, was a big help for me in my own faith journey. And I think this process for me, you know, as an Indigenous person, as a Lakota person, and as a Catholic, this process of engaging this work was uh, also central to me being able to endure in my faith. I think it's easy to look at the history of, of the United States with Native peoples, look at certainly the Catholic role in that history, and, and become defeated, um, and to, to walk away with a much more negative uh, reaction. Um, for me to engage in the work I've been in, a boon for my faith, um, because it helps me understand that, you know, as a church, we can recognize when the church has has failed because it's a human body, a human body striving to, you know, certainly live according to uh, what Jesus talked about and, and shared in the gospel, the truth in the gospel. But, but of course, at times we fail as a church, and it's okay, and in fact, sacramental to acknowledge that and recognize that, you know, this is a world religion. This is a this is a, a faith of many cultures, and we can accept that in this country's history. Uh, the church behaved in a way that didn't didn't al- al- allow or acknowledge Native people to be of their culture and be Catholic, um, and that that's what we need to heal from, and that that is, is and that it is in fact possible to heal from that, especially through the grace of our the truth in our gospel and the message of our Lord. Look how have your your love for the you know it sounds like your love for the church. To hold on one hand, you know, it's like Mother Teresa always talked about living the virtue of ambivalence. Like to hold on one hand that, um, you know, where the the humanity of the church uh, 
perhaps provided, you know, did things that were unfortunate, uh, and at the same time have such a love of the Bride of Christ and what she stands for, you know, as the gate of human salvation and, and you know, the, the very body, as to your word, the very body that our Lord instituted, you know, for the world, you know, to your point of the world religion. Uh, has that grown through all of this? What's your experience been like in all that? Because you, I mean, you're, you're kind of in the middle of like a sphere. You know, you're probably getting, <laughs> you, 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 you get, I'm sure, affirmation and accolades from all sides, but you also get challenges, you know, from, from people because you're, you're just, you're, you're kind of in the middle and you're, you know, you're like a human tug of war rope, you know, and you're trying to bring, I mean, to the, you know, to the definition of the word reconciliation. Yeah, I mean, to sit in, in a space that is seeking reconciliation is to sit at the crossroads of deep conflict. And and absolutely, when we are in that space, you're, you're correct. I get accolades and praise, and I get ad, you know, admonition and, and criticism. Um, and so this, to me, has been, yes, a struggle. Um, yes, there's sort of, a, you know, especially when you're in the thick of, of really hard conversation as something like this requires, um, that can be deeply challenging and, and difficult. I, I turn to prayer and to uh, certainly uh, the knowledge that, um, you know, our faith, um, I, I, I often refer to uh, actually a, a piece of writing from, an, from a theologian named Brett Falkeld. He is the theologian of the Diocese of Regina in Canada. And in the wake of sort of what happened in Canada last year um, with the uh, revelation of uh, you know, numerous graves that were unmarked across different uh, former uh, Catholic residential schools and, and government residential schools across the nation of Canada, um, in the upheaval of that, he wrote this article that really tried to help Catholics come to the understanding of how do we approach this issue. And in that, he talked about two things, right? Like, we know that in our faith, that family is so important. And yet, we can recognize that as a church, we were involved in a system that told Native American children they needed to be separated from their parents in order to become better people um, through the boarding school system. And that we also believe this is a world faith, that this is a faith of many cultures. And yet we were involved in a system that told Native people that they can't be of their culture and be Catholic, um, that they have to become something else. We can look at those two things and recognize how so antithetical that is to our faith, and therefore why it is through our faith and through our sacrament of reconciliation that we must in fact, that it is our obligation to find healing um, and do all the things that we need to do in order to do so. And I, I keep that in my heart and keep that in my in my prayer as I have these difficult conversations. Macab, personal prayer. What else? Who are you know? Is it your? Is it authors? Do you have your own patron saints you go to? Uh, I would assume you're faithful to Holy Mass, the Eucharist. And uh, our own sacrament of reconciliation, confession. What are your sources of of strength, if you will, the gasoline in your tank? Uh, well, I mean, community is so important. Um, community is so important, and uh, just making sure that um, I continue to build on my relationships, both both certainly my relationships within the Catholic Church, the Jesuit friends I have here 
uh, in the community and, and throughout the churches across the reservation and the one I attend. Uh, and also, certainly, relationships outside of that are, are, are helpful in many ways um, in, within my Native community. Um, and so all of that, all of that um, relationship matters. We are, we are a people um, who, are, uh, who are, I think, designed by God to be in community. Um, and that's certainly something that gives me nourishment and keeps me, uh, keeps me going and working. That's wonderful. You, our prayers are with you, Maka. And um, as you, as you know, you make your prayers. Please pray for real presence. Uh, you know, before we go to break, your invitation to people: what can they do? Certainly, this this uh, workshop, this one day workshop, at the end of January at Terra Sancta in Rapid City. Uh, what are some other avenues? Uh, you know, for the listeners that you've touched today, open up their hearts to to these difficult conversations, uh, albeit necessary. Uh, what is your invitation? What's your counsel regarding uh, where can they go with with their desires? Absolutely. I, I mean, I think, I think first and foremost, if people are still unsure of this history and of this issue and why there needs to, needs to even be truth and healing, and they still might have questions about why Pope Francis went to Canada and, and did what he did, um, this workshop would be great. You can head to rapidcitydiocese.org slash SJC. Um, to look at the conference and see the information and even register. Uh, so that's rapidcitydiocese.org slash SJC. And at Red Cloud, we also have on our website uh, a Truth and Healing page. If you go to our redcloudschool.org page and search for Truth and Healing, uh, you'll find resources, uh, videos, uh, podcasts that we've done uh, that talk about a lot of these different issues um, and give a, a, a breakdown of kind of what we're doing and why we're doing it and, and more resources on this history and, and the need for healing. Um, so I think uh, for many people, I'm sure that, that the first step is just even beginning to know what what this is all about and why it's necessary. Macau, who will all be speaking? Is that, I mean, I assume you'll be speaking. Who else are you? Are you bringing in local from the Diocese of Rapid City, from your school? Uh, who will be speaking and, and, and then who will be offering the Mass, if you could, for our listeners? Yes, so at, at, at our uh, conference, we're going to be having numerous folks uh, being a part of the, the day. We're going to have um, testimony from people who were uh, boarders in the boarding school uh, system here in South Dakota, certainly at Holy Rosary Mission, where, where I uh, currently work. We're going to have uh, a panel of younger Native American Catholics who can talk about their experiences and kind of what it means for them to be recognizing this history while also remaining Catholic today. Uh, we're bringing in some international perspective. We have two folks who are joining us from Canada you know, who, went, who went through their own truth and reconciliation process as a whole country um, that formally ended in 2015. Um, but that's Father Peter Bisson, who is a Jesuit in the, in the Canadian Jesuit province based in Ottawa, and also uh, Rosella Kinoshameg, uh, who is Ojibwe and Odawa, um, who worked especially a lot with uh, Father Bisson. They're going to be joining us to talk about their experience in Canada, uh, and I'll be speaking that day as well. Fantastic. Wow. Yeah. And the day ends, you said, with Mass and a nice fellowship dinner? Yes, it ends with Mass. Who, then that Mass will actually be led by Bishop of, of the Rapid City Diocese, uh, Father uh, Bishop Peter Mewich. 
Fantastic. That just sounds like a wonderful it day. It sound like, yes. Uh, not only kind of like incarnating what you're doing, but for all people, you know, to come and learn and and really to engage uh, the topic uh, that's close, close to your heart. Thank you for that, Makah. We have no, no uh, in, any other insights or wisdom you want to share with our listeners before we close uh, this morning, Makah? Uh, just to say, you know, I think the Spirit invites us to be open. You know, um, in our this issue is also an issue, um, you know, what we call this conference, uh, the Truth and, and Racial Healing Workshop. And, you know, uh, racial healing is so important in our community and in our country. In, in the Bishop's Conference letter against racism, they called it Open Wider Hearts. And that's why I encourage anyone who is interested in learning more about this, who have questions, who have concerns, to open wide your heart and, and certainly engage and, and learn more. Join us and, and talk with us. We are speaking with the Macaw Black Elk, the great, great, great grandson of Nicholas Black Elk, uh, the executive director uh, for Truth and Healing of the Red Cloud School in Pine Ridge Indian Reservation in South Dakota. Makah, thank you for your time. Uh, lots of wisdom and a lot for Karen and I to pray yes. about and to consider. And uh, for those that are interested in the workshop on January 28th, you can go to the website. Uh, and please, please pray for uh, this, uh, the success and just the impact that our Lord can bless and come to visit as, as his friends, uh, the people who will attend the workshop. Makah, you have a great day. And again, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year to you. Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, and God bless. Thank you for having me. You yep. bet. You're welcome. We're going to a short break, and then Karen and I will be back. We are we are the guests. We're the hosts and the we guests. Yes. It's been years since I've been a guest on this radio station. I always have to do the work. Uh, but, so thankfully, Karen is actually going to interview me uh, on, uh, on the topic of Epiphany, which is so timely as we yes. celebrate Epiphany Sunday in just five days, uh, when those three faithful men, uh, the wise men, the magi, the kings came to visit our Lord, the infant God in the manger. We'll speaking about that and probably a whole uh, whole group of other things. Don't be right. Uh, don't touch the dial. We'll be right back. Stay with us. There's more Real Presence live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network.